cliffcentral.com. Well, we have two amazing guests who've been through an incredible and horrible ordeal. The ordeal that we've spoken about a couple of times on the show. We've spoken about cults, but we've almost said it in a mocking kind of tongue-in-cheek way. Our two guests tonight, uh, Erica Bornman and Kalimpilo Malinga, are both victims of a cult. They're both people who famously were in a cult here in South Africa. In her book, Mission of Malice, My Exodus from Kwasizabantu, Erica chronicles her journey uh, from a fearful young girl to a fierce activist determined to do whatever it takes to save future generations and find personal redemption and self-acceptance after a really awful experience in an actual cult here in South Africa. And Clelin Pilo went into the same place and ended up also luckily escaping. Their experiences are very different. We'll hear from them in a moment. But the most interesting thing about all of this is that they've just recently, with News24, launched a seven-month investigation, which culminated in a podcast that went on to win an internationally renowned One World Media Award for radio and podcast. And that happened in 2021. I've heard just today that Eric has been nominated for another award, uh, which we'll talk about in just a second. But ladies, let me welcome you to the show. This is uh, terrific to have you here. And thank you so much for making time for us. I really appreciate it. Hi, Gareth. Delighted to be here. Hi, Gareth. I'm a fan. Hi. I, I, I'm going I'm to I'm take a wild guess here and say Kaylin Pilo is the white woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <It's> <laughs> I didn't get I'm, that. I'm actually the Malinga. Um, <laughs> Kaylin Pilo came to visit me over Christmas and New Year. And yeah. I introduced her to everybody as my sister. And yeah. um, we went to my hairdresser together. She was getting her nails done while I was getting my hair done. And my hairdresser whispered at me and said, which one of you was adopted? <laughs> and we had a lot of fun. <laughs> well, listen, you two have been, you've been, to, I'm so glad that you have a sense of humor about the relationship that you have, because I mean, it could have gone really, really horribly wrong and did for many people. Let's just start at the very beginning, because for many people who haven't listened to the podcast yet, and I can't tell everyone enough to go and listen to the podcast to, to get the book. Um, and, and we can talk about your experiences in a moment, but there's something so harrowing about this. And it happened on our own front door here in South Africa, in KwaZulu-Natal, a place called Kwasizabantu. Now, before you'd started writing about it and before the two of you escaped from this place, I don't think a lot of people even knew what it was. Um, maybe a few people in, the, in the, this extreme Christian cult knew what it was. But otherwise, the rest of us would have been none the wiser that all of this was going on right here in South Africa. Ironically so, um, the Christian community knew a mm. lot about Kwasizabandu because Kwasizabandu was synonymous with, with Jesus incarnate. You know, it, it, it was it was believed to be, or maybe let me say they sold themselves out to be deputy heaven, uh, yeah. for a lack of a better, a better word, because everything that was happening at Kwasizabandu 1, they were a multiracial society. So they, they were a front runner of, of where South Africa wanted to be. And, and they were busy helping black people. So they were a savior. They were a savior. So the Christian community actually even had at some point the minister's conference. So interdenominational, um, conferences. So mm. they were well known and they were well positioned to be a center where everybody can come together because they didn't belong to any denomination at, at that time. Even now, they are still not denominational. So yeah, they let, are let's, be, let's be clear. I mean, they are still up and running. Now, I mean, yeah. to a lot of people, this does sound like heaven because and you call it like deputy heaven. You describe it beautifully. You say it's nestled in what seems like a geometric display of hills. I'm quoting from you here at Pilo and valleys. It looked like a perfect world that you'd only otherwise have known in storybooks. And you said this amazing harmonious relationship between black and white people, how everybody knew their place in society. Everyone was working. Everybody felt uh, like part of something. It's it's a very alluring, very attractive proposition, isn't it? Even for a child as young as I was, that's where I wanted to live. Um, How old were you then? I must have been eight, nine, mm. somewhere there. And you saw, you got on a truck, right? And and suddenly you you found yourself from the like dusty 
not necessarily as uh, beautiful parts of South Africa in, in this gorgeous, wonderful place, which looked oh. like everything operated on just a, a totally different level where it was love, there was respect. I mean, to the outside eye, it didn't take you long to figure out uh, just how, how deep that went. But I mean, really, those first impressions, just, just tell us again what that must have felt like, because some of us can't imagine that how, how you'd get caught up in something like this and how it all ends so badly. Okay, if you have watched the sound of music hmm. the nostalgia that it gives you as 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 you watch it i don't know if okay for me the nostalgia it gave me is exactly what i felt like when i when i when i made my debut appearance at gosizabantu arrival at gosizabantu um i don't know what alice in wonderland felt like but um i would want to assume or maybe equate it to what they felt like because i was just a child and and mm. for me this this environment was exciting the way they had the rondavels placed it was just too beautiful the flower beds the grass manicured the 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 airstrip um mm. where the aeroplane flew from time to time this was all new to me this was beautiful I was I was eating with the adults. We were all queued up to go and eat and and, and get up our, our either breakfast, supper, lunch or supper. So it was, and I was okay. White people were something I'd never okay. It's not people I'd never seen. But now that I'm rubbing shoulders with with, I mean, we were. I think we always believe that white whiteness is supremacy, and so here I am rubbing shoulders with them white people. That was fantastic. <laughs> and these white people are speaking Isizu. Mm. Dude, dude, that was yeah. just something else. It and sounds almost like, it sounds, it's almost like what South Africa should have and could have and would have been after we were promised that rainbow nation, right? Yeah, I mean, true. So, so Imagine Erica, I you're... didn't speak much of English at that time. So if white people were speaking my language... Mm. Oh, heaven. <laughs> so Erica, for you, the experience was, was similar, but, but quite different. I mean, you actually went there with your family, right? They were all head over heels in love with the idea. And I can imagine it must have been a very attractive proposition to a lot of people, white and black, old and young, rich and poor, that there was this community, which seemed almost like a biblical kind of, you know, socialist commune where everybody would pull their weight and everybody everybody would be looked after no one'd be left behind that was the idea definitely and what what got me when i was a little girl because i was around nine years old when my parents got involved as well and it was the music and the singing you know i used to go to the dutch reformed church where everybody sings the same tune when we sing yeah. hymns and here we are in this in this hall and the, the zulu people just sing i mean it's soprano alto yeah. bass tenor and harmonizing and um goosebumps stuff the the music was beautiful mm. um i had a slightly different experience to Pilo because my parents went to study french in france and they left the three of us there um this was before Pilo got there um before there was a school there and i was nine years old turning 10 and for me it was a very awful experience straight off, were straight off the bat you you hated it from the beginning hmm. Yeah, I was living in fear um, from the beginning. The first night, I remember wetting my bed um, and at nine, and um, and 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 that happened frequently in the time that my parents were away. They were only high school children there at the time. Some they were all white. This was okay. So now we're speaking like 1983, 1984, 85. Um, so they were a bunch of white kids from Joburg living there, but they were all in high school. And then an old bus would take us by um, every morning to Stanger and back. It was Stanger then to school. Um, and my brother and I, and I think one other child were the only junior school kids. And yeah. so I was sleeping in a dormitory with these girls who were much older than me. And yeah, it was just, it was awful. Um, but what was worse was that we had to attend the services every night. We had to watch these awful, awful movies. They didn't excuse the younger children from these depictions of intense, severe violence. And what, sort of, what, what, what kind of movies are these? I mean, immediately we, th you know, kids, uh, <laughs> kids go, oh, yay, movie night. <laughs> oh, this is not what you, oh, this is no. not what you're talking about. No, the burning hell was one, um, where you actually saw people burning in hell. You saw maggots crawling out of this, their eyes. And the guy who killed John the Baptist, the John the Baptist executioner is there and he, like he's mad, so everybody he sees, he thinks it's John the Baptist, and he goes, "He's still alive! He 
well, Caleb. You see, I haven't watched that movie in like forty years, and I can still wow. hear I still it. Remember that. Um, and and and, and th- these are movies that have been made internationally by other churches. Yes. So it's, yes. uh, but it's gruesome and gory, and gruesome like really, gory. really hard to watch, and not really appropriate for kids in any yeah. way, right? And there was another one. It has a long title, but we just called it "The Footman," which is when the communists come in and how they torture Christians to give up their faith. And there's soldiers on horseback that stick, a, a, I think it's a bamboo stake through one boy's ears. It comes in the one side and it comes out the other side. And oh they tell you, you think this is bad, you know, like the, the soldiers take women, Christian women and they um, undress them and they tie them to jeeps and they pull them apart, um, their limbs apart. And this is what's going to happen. And so Kwasi Zabantu would tell us that this is what's going to happen when the ANC takes over because they they said the ANC were communists and they created this whole organization called Christians for Truth that was meant to be like an underground, it was meant to be, go then underground because they they preached against Madiba, against Archbishop Tutu. Oh, they hated the um, liberation theology. They, well, Telempila will tell you more about how they beat the spirit of 1976 out of the children. And yeah, so, so it was just fear. There was no love. There was, there was just no love. And then my parents returned and we moved to Joburg for three years, which was great. And then at the start of my, well, standard eight or grade 10 year, my dad said, we're moving back. They're starting this multiracial school and they've asked him to be principal. But then the day before school opened, he died of a heart attack. He was 43. And that was just, my protector. Just, yeah, and I mean, he was, a, a lot of, yeah. a lot of people be a bit uh, confused. So it starts off with this like anti, uh, liberation, anti-ANC, anti-Mandela and Tutu situation. And then it, suddenly they want to open up a multiracial school. And then just a few years later, Kaelin Pilo is arriving there and she's like, oh, this is the rainbow nation we were promised. How did that happen in a space of such a short time? It sounds crazy. Oh, it was always multiracial. Um, they were just anti-communists. Ah. Okay. Oh, and, and may I add that the church itself had always been multiracial because even the name suggests that it is going to help people. So it comes to the black community to offer help. Right. Um, I may not know what kind of help, but one of the help, I mean, one amongst many things that they offered was salvation for our souls because um, at the time Umfundisi came, and he would say that a lot of people were demon possessed. And so when the revival came, it liberated them from, from the demon possession that people were, were, were plagued with. And also poverty in, in the, in the entire area. So people were fed. They were given food and people who were sick. They would come to the hospital. It wasn't a hospital as such, but they would come to this place where they would be prayed for. So how we then come into the picture is when the South African government decides that they're going to introduce sex education in, in public schools. And then that becomes a no-no for, for the church because they're saying government is going to corrupt our children and the only way to preserve them is to take them out of school. So in 1986, 1986 saw, saw all the children from, I mean, the children of the parents who went to the congregate, I mean, who were congregants being, sh- being taken out of school and mm-hmm. moved to Guasizabandu. The, the school was not in the, it, it, it wasn't said that there was going to be a school, but I guess when we finally arrived, they suddenly thought, what are we going to do with this? children um because we couldn't work we couldn't work in 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 the fields we couldn't work in 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 the farm there was just no place for us so we were loitering around the entire time just, just explain again for those of us who don't know what this is like you were totally isolated from everyone else it was a it was like a closed community right there were only a few people who were allowed to go out into the outside world and that was very rare it's almost like the Amish in 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 America in Pennsylvania right very similar to that. There's no other way of explaining it. That's the perfect way of explaining it because even the clothing is, is dictated to how you relate amongst each other is dictated to. So there's no relationships between uh, boys and girls. Even if you are related, there's very limited interaction between 
the the siblings because the boys sleep in one area and the girls in another area. So it is really more Amish than any any other way I could explain it. So when you when you arrive there, even as a visitor, there's it's clear there are there are lines that the the males are on this side, the females on this side. Sounds like a mix between like some um, fundamentalist Christian Calvinists idea of what heaven should be and a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. It's like halfway between the two. And I, yeah. I always find it interesting. There's this overlap. And, and really, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear both of you talk about what tipped you off that there was something not good at the young age that both of you were when you started clearly got a feeling and, you know, children are many things, but they're actually pretty sensitive and they have a good idea of what's going on and whether or not it, it's meant to be happening, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Uh, despite the way they may have been raised, despite the very different backgrounds that you two had, um, when did the alarm bells go off in your own heads? And you say you pretty much from day one, you felt like you didn't belong there, Erica. You were wetting your bed. You were deeply unhappy. You felt like you'd been isolated. Uh, Pilo, I think it took you a little bit longer, right? Well, it never hit me, really. It was sure. all in it was all in hindsight because I was wow. okay. Maybe this maybe it's 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 not as accurate because I didn't have time to to process everything that was happening. But I think at the time I was found guilty of receiving a chocolate from from an adult male. Although there was a rule that there is no there's not supposed to be any relationships between uh, boys and girls. So this man who was he was not a scholar gave me a chocolate and I received it with joy and I proceeded to go to, to the dining hall. So when I was called and I was told that I had received the chocolate because I, I consented to a relationship between the two of us, I then suddenly realized that, okay, I am being cornered here into something that I, 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 I think I got into the psychology because I, I stood firm at the fact that he didn't say anything. And at the back of my mind, it was in trying to protect him as well. Because if I said anything, it would then imply that he had done something. So I was like, he gave me a chocolate, but said nothing. He, but, and you're 15. Just, just make sure that people know that you are 15 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this guy, how, how old was he? He probably must have been in his 30s. He was a worker in the, in, 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 in the, in the farm. So, and at some point he worked with my father in one of the, of the shops because my dad was not educated. So he worked in the shops in the mission. Um, so at one point he, he would, he worked with my father for the Dube family. And so when he was speaking to me, he was not speaking to me as a boy. He was talking to me as my dad's colleague. Yeah. And my dad would have said things about his children at the mission and me being one of the children that was just known. I was just everywhere. I, I just, I was in trouble. I was doing all the good things, but I was always in trouble. So I guess I was just that child was just a butterfly in everywhere. But, but it sounds like, it sounds like all of you got into trouble at some point because it sounds like the rules were just impossible. You know, the, the idea that you are commanded. You're, you're made sick and commanded to be well is, is the idea of original sin that you, you cannot actually ever be right because there's always going to be something they can find about you to criticize. That's how they maintain control in these situations. Uh, and, and Erica, oh, you've been nodding Karen, your head. The, the thing you are saying so, 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 so nicely, the thing you are putting across so nicely is that you are always in trouble. The thing is, it's one thing to know that you're in trouble, but it's another to find yourself in trouble because you did not know what yeah. constitutes trouble. Right. Yeah. Always, you're always, so, you're always wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I only recognized, um, that they, that actually what I had experienced and, and endured was abuse and witnessed was abuse three years after I left Gareth uh, as an adult. What they are really good at is, um, is placing themselves as the, as the people who know right from wrong. Like I recount in my book how one of my friends had, was caught stealing Wilson toffees and we were all called and, um, David had been, uh, one of the coworkers had been sent to get a big butcher's knife and, and they said she was caught stealing in the Bible. It says you, uh, 
you need to chop off the hand of a thief. So she had to choose whether she wanted to get a beating in public because they beat children in public. Um, you, do you want the, 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 the pipe or the knife? Um, and um, I was around 10 years old then. She was around eight. And I sat there in fear, not thinking that what are they doing? absolutely knowing that whatever they do is God's will and I have to submit myself to it. So they put themselves, they, they, they managed to put themselves in such a place of authority that whatever I questioned, I mean, my counselor started sexually molesting me. I knew it was wrong, but I thought the fault lay with me. That, that I was well, evil. You know, I've, I've often jokingly referred on the show to, to the reason these cults are established. They're usually established by older men with the, with the express purpose of getting sex from younger women. I mean, oh, all the other stuff is almost decoration, whether it's a Christian cult, whether it's some other kind of religious cult. It always ends up being about this one guy who wants to have sex with lots of much younger girls. And it strikes me as, as uh, interesting that you used the word authority there because we've just come through a pandemic where everybody was told not to question the authorities. And I'm wondering about you two and how you feel about authority now because once you've seen how authority can misrepresent itself, how people who can claim authority can do terrible things in the name of that authority and how none of it can really be justified. Humans are just humans and they can be equally bad and good depending on their own moral principles and on the nature of their underlying character, as well as the office that they bear. I mean, are you cynical about everybody now? I wouldn't blame you if you were. I'm not. I'll go first. Um, I'm not. I'm more cautious, definitely. But I still believe that people are really genuinely good at heart, the vast majority. I don't know how I still believe that, but I really, really do. And I think that if you actually sit down and talk to most people, then you will find that common humanity. You will find that spark and that and I but I also understand how people get so caught up in a thing like QAnon in America which seems to have transferred very nicely into South African society as well like so caught up in it that that you aren't able to see any other point of view like Dylan Pilo and I often have discussions where we don't necessarily agree with each other she's still Christian and I'm definitely not and but we absolutely respect each other so much mm. that we can disagree without being disagreeable so there's that but when it comes to authority that's such a tricky thing for me because I my it's almost like my default mode is to submit to authority but as I've grown older, I've gotten better at not just submitting, but actually questioning, do, should I, do, do I, do I need to? But it took me a long time to get there. Kaelin Pilo, you, you are still a Christian and yeah. I, I admire the fact that you can separate these things out in your life because I mean, we all have ways of rationalizing and justifying things and also ways of making ourselves comfortable with what we've been through. Um, mm-hmm. you again, you could have had, a very similar experience to Erica's, but yours was totally different. And I'm, I'm interested in a lot of people I think would be in how you've managed to reconcile not blaming God as would be the knee jerk reaction for most of us and not blaming the church and not blaming Christians in general for what, what clearly was um, an outrageous infringement on a child's mental and physical well being in both of your cases. Uh, darling, who said I didn't blame God? all right well tell me more i mean this is interesting go on so um for the longest time i didn't want anything to do with church but unfortunately the life i knew centered around church and i also love music and so church offered me in in an environment to to just be amongst people who are happy clappies and life seems like it's all fine until you leave church and you go home and you you are confronted with your demons again because again church is just a meeting of people with all kinds of sickness um so if you go to church with the expectation that um you're going to find healing among them it is like going to a hospital and saying i i want um i have I have flu and because I go to hospital where there are people, um, I am going to be healed from, from, 
but that's not the case. You go to gym, you don't suddenly walk out and you are slim if you wanted to to be slim. You still have to put in the work. So when I when I went to church, I found hostility, I found people that were not forgiving. I became one of those people who was not forgiving because I was hurting and no one was was prepared. I there was an expectation for me to get to church and 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 find that all my troubles were taken care of. I, I remember because at some point I was raped. So when I when I finally gave my life to to, to God, it was out of a desperate desperate out of desperation because I thought God, you're gonna take this child away from me, and I'm gonna wake up. My life will be different because you are now you are a miracle working God, and you are able. And 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 so when I woke up. The child was still with me and I still needed to feed her. I didn't have a job. I didn't, I was like, okay, someone sold me some, something that I don't that understand. And I will never understand. So this is, this is all fake, but because I couldn't afford therapy, church was a place that offered me some sort of therapy. Um, but, but the thing about church again is that it, it could very well tip you off because you could live your life in fear forever or you could live your life in guilt forever so you 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 need to find you need to have a serious conviction or you need to find a personal relationship that 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 you can you, you can't say i heard someone say you need to know that it is a conviction from the inside of you that because god lives inside of us and and we are we are gods ourselves because the Bible says he made us in his own image. So I am God. And so when God relates to me, he relates to that part of me that is God. You know, but when I decide not to, resp to, to respond, I, I very well become a devil. So I needed to find a proper relationship with God so that I am guided inwardly and convicted inwardly that what I am doing is is not a reputation of and and there's a very thin line when you become a christian because christian christianity teaches you to be submissive and christianity teaches you to to and being black again as a black child you were taught you must you must respect um so i was going to make yeah. a joke when erica was saying that we have a relationship when when we 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 can argue about stuff i'm like yeah girl we can argue about stuff and i will let go because i'm black Anyway, I'm joking. There's an aspect of this that, that, that keeps me thinking that, you know, we often wonder what kind of people get get caught up in these cults. Obviously, you were both kids and that, that changes the question. There's, there's obviously a certain amount of duress there and a certain amount of, of, of um, wide-eyed wonder at the world that's happening around you. So you, you kind of accept whatever you're told. And it's yeah. very, it's, and you know, if a child is rebellious and they put in that atmosphere, they're probably punished horribly from beginning to end. And, and oh, both of you, that, that was your, I mean, you just breezed past Galimpilo. I mean, you know, there are people who've written whole books and you just go, yeah, I was raped and you move straight on to the next sentence. And I think I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I do want to talk quickly about what kinds of things you girls went through when yes. you were there, because a lot of people up to now will go, oh, well, it sounds like, you know, there might be a bit of Stockholm syndrome and maybe you are isolated from the rest of society, but they don't know. And if you've listened to the podcast, you will know. And if you've read the book, you'll know, but they need to know. People need to know that this stuff is absolutely criminal. It is beyond all decent human behavior. And that submission you talk about, and this idea that God is watching you and they're the authority, these, these men and women on earth, and that they will enforce their own power structure down on you in the most awful way. This is not a happy situation. I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. And that's what you've gone about doing to your credit, Erica and Pilo. You've both gone around telling people what really happened because this is still going on. It yes. So, going on. so I think to understand, let, let's just look at one aspect of their doctrine, which is mm. confession of sin. So they don't believe that um, you become a Christian, you give your life to God, and you're going to heaven. No. Um, every time you sin, your salvation is in jeopardy, and you have to confess that sin to a human being, 
which is one of one of the kind of leaders or the elders there. Um, you have to confess your sins um, at mm-hmm. least once a week. Um, and if you die with one single unconfessed sin in your life, then you go straight to hell. It doesn't matter how good your life was, right? So that right. goes directly against what m- most Christians believe. So we, so they taught us um, to fear God. He was a vengeful tyrant, um, mm-hmm. and they were God on earth. Basically, they represented God on earth, and they. So I witnessed public beatings. I don't recall that I was ever beaten in public, but I was a oh. white child, and I realized that white children had it so easy. And Telempilo can talk about this, but like you say, she kind of like glides over it. So let me Mm -hmm. tell you what I observed and then what I heard. Children would be called up for their sin. Okay, so these are the meetings that I observed. So the children were all clothed and they would be, the meeting would be told what they had done wrong and they would then pray that the child would be receptive to the punishment. The beatings that I remember were girl children. Um, the girl child would lie down flat on her tummy on the floor. One adult would hold down her arms. Another adult, these are usually male from what I remember, would hold down her legs. And the third adult would stand over her and he would have a plastic plumbing pipe in his hand Now, sometimes this pipe was filled with sand to make it heavier. And he would beat down this pipe on this little body in front of him that was being held down with all his might. So I got hidings as a child from my parents. This is not a hiding. This is torture. This is a beating. These children were beaten until they bled. Many of my peers and Telempilo's peers walk around with scars on their backs, buttocks, and their thighs from being tortured at Kwasi Sabantu Mission. Now, these were the beatings that I observed, right? It took on, when the white children would go, most of us had families there. Um, the black children, the vast majority of them were living in the boarding school. They would be called on Saturdays, just about every Saturday, to the upper room. And there the meeting was that children would tell on each other. The co-workers would talk about what that child confessed during the week. Now, confessions are meant to be sacred and sacrosanct. but And then the child's name would be called. They would have to come to the front. In the beginning, around 1986, 1987, they were very often stripped down. And when my friend told me this, I said, the girls in their bras and panties. And she said, no just panties, right, in front of the whole school and beaten until they bled. Now, my friends tell me that at one point they counted 70 lashes. My publishers wanted to have me take that out of my book because they said it sounds impossible that you can beat a child like that. But Telempilo, is it impossible? No, I was beaten. I was beaten. I, I lost count because you see, if if you are being beaten and first of all nobody tells you how many slashes less slashes you're going to get, but if for whatever reason you do not cooperate, I mean our our, our pain thresholds are not the same. So the person in front of you might take their ten lashes just silently, and that's done. But if I come and I disturb the person beating me. Um, there are lashes that are not going to count. So if I was supposed to tend to get 10 um, and I disturb and it lands instead of, of if it landing on my bottom, my bottoms, it, it lands on my thighs. That doesn't count as a lash. So then they were going to start. So if, if there are five of those that were misplaced, um, it's going to be 10 plus five because they must beat me where they are meant to, 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 they are supposed to lend where they are meant to, to, to lend. So, and, and when it's I finished, beaten, when it's finished, what do you have to do when you've been beaten? Well, even if, okay, there's two things. Before you are beaten, you must pray and receive, 
um, receive the love that is being shown to you because the Bible says those that I love, I, I chasten, I, okay, it doesn't say you, that you beat them. English escapes me right now. So my English is masochism. Yeah. I mean, this is this, you, you're right though. That's, there is a, there's a verse in the Bible about, you know, I, I punish you because I love you. And, yes. and there's so many, so many people throughout human history who've used that line to do the most atrocious things to people that they supposedly love. Yeah. I mean, so you, you pray beforehand and then what happens afterwards? Then you need to, to, to express your grat- gratitude for having received, for having received the love. Because if you yes. don't, then it means you are begrudging the person who has beaten you. But in, 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 in essence, they were just showing you love. They were not doing this out of malice. You know, Gary. And, and most, Sorry. most people, most people just got on. This is just how life was. And, and this is what you thought was your, was your, your, your purpose and what gave your life meaning. And this is, this is what it meant to be in a community. Yeah. You know, Gareth, these well, are, for, sorry, my friend. Um, in the one news 24 article, which is about, um, to be beaten is one thing, but to be beaten in the name of God is another. Uh, a young boy tells of how he asked a friend who created God. He was 12 years old. He got beaten so badly for asking that question that um, he couldn't sit. And the next day he did something else wrong and he needed to get beaten again. And his his bum was still so bloody that they beat him on the soles of his feet, rather. You know, now, and then you have to say thank you. Then you have to say thank you. Because if you don't, you get beaten some more. Yeah, it's medieval. It's medieval. It's the kind of thing that if this isn't child abuse, I don't know what is. And and yet, because you're part of this community and it's all in the name of God and there's there's a religious undertone to it, it's considered to be a noble way of life. And you you guys probably thought for some of the time, uh, perhaps for most of it, and maybe even for all of it, that you were doing uh, what a good Christian person should do, that you were living a, a, a wholesome, righteous life, and that this was what was intended for you as a sinner. Yes. Uh, you know, it's one thing you talk about Christianity, but Christianity is not abusive. Christianity, the Bible says God is love. So we, we cannot put it in the same, in the same, on say on the same par with, with, with Christianity. So it would really be cruelty, but how it was introduced at Gwasi Zabantu was, um, I remember the first time we ever got beatings was um, when we had, I think we laughed at a teacher or something um, at the assembly. And so our parents were then called in um, and were told what, what had happened. And the question was, if your child misbehaves at home, how do you discipline them? And black parents, black parents were just, yeah gangster like that mm. so they would make us go get out go to find a tree get uswazi i don't know what you call it but a, a stick, switch a yeah a stick yeah. yeah so get that and if you get a good one they might be lenient on you but if you get a small one then they're gonna go get a big one for themselves so mm. you needed to to work out what how how big or how small you really wanted to go so they made us do that and we got Beaten by uh, the very first beating that was administered on us was not by the co-workers, but the co-workers got permission from our parents to say, this is what, this is how we do it at home. These children know it. We, we administer discipline this way. From that point onwards, we were just a playground because they said, you are far away. We can't always call you in when the child has misbehaved. So we'll your children are within our care. So, so, I mean, so what you do, I mean, we will again, do. Again, I mean, everything you're talking about is like it's a, out of a classic uh, sadomasochist's handbook to how to ruin a person and how to <laughs> how to turn them into a, an objective, sniveling, miserable representation of what a human should be. I mean, you choose the instrument of your own torture. Then you yeah. are you're you're removed from any. Uh, care, parental care and, 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 and love and tenderness. And you're made yeah. to feel at a very young age as if everything that happens to you, whether you did it or not, is your fault. And that yeah. this kind of thing is, this is the way to live. Now, I mean, I, I could talk to you guys about this for hours because 
I, I really, I do want people to listen to your podcast. It's an award-winning podcast. It's superb. I want them to read the articles in News 24, and I want them to read your book too, Erica. And Kalim Pilo, I want you to just talk about how you started to realize it was better idea to get out, or when you were outside, looking back at it, you suddenly thought, my God, this is not how people should live. When, when does that stuff dawn on you? Because when you're in it, and, and you even talk, you still talk about the church or about community or about Christianity with, uh, with, a, with, a, I can hear the love in your voice. You're not saying you, you, you know, you, that is classic Stockholm syndrome kind of talk. And, and you said you haven't been to therapy and the church provided therapy for you in some ways. And I can totally see that. And I'm not judging you. You've got to cope with it in, in, in whatever way you can. And if religion gives you the tools to, to get through the, the, the hard days, then God bless you for it. And I don't mean that in any, sarcastic way but the the language is the language of someone who has been brainwashed by their captors someone who's and i know that you can see through it now but it still sounds like that do you understand i do i do you see there's a very thin line even as a christian and i, I always say to, to to my fellow christians is is we need to be in fact i said this to erica the other time i said lockdown for me was was a turning point i'm gonna go back to the question you asked i'm i'm, I'm going to the tail end first hmm. lockdown was it was was another eye-opener for me because i realized that my my life was dominated by church activity not necessarily spiritual activity because hmm. when when lockdown when I was in lockdown, I was alone. I was lonely. Mm. And I realized that I didn't, I, I made a lot of time available to church activity, but I didn't make a lot of time available to spiritual sanity. Oh. Um, so that I am able to, during such times, be able to gravitate towards the word of God that gives me what I, I, church can be a drug of choice. So you can be going to church and not getting any spiritual um, wisdom, but just getting an escape, going to church, doing church activities, singing, getting the yeah. euphoria out of singing and getting motivation for just yet another day. But being able to live outside of the church, but live within the doctrine and within the teachings of the Bible is one thing. So when I left Wasizabandu, it took me a while to, to find, to find me. Um, and then I, I, I then surrendered and gave my life to, to, to Christ. Even when I had given my life to Christ, I battled a lot with a lot of things. Mm. One of the issues was I'm an emotional being. And so every time I got angry about something, um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just passionate because when I'm excited, I'm just excited. When I'm, when, I mean, when I'm happy, I'm just happy. When I'm, when I'm mad, I need to make that known. So church people will then say, Oh, no, no, no. That's not how, uh, how, how Christians should, should behave. You mean mm. I should just swallow crap because I'm a Christian and not voice out the fact that you are hurting me. So I am so sensitive. I know when to speak out when you are hurting me, but maybe it is a, a balance that needs to, 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 to work out here. Because even when you say that, as a Christian, I need to be soft enough to then win you over. And, and that's not a balance that comes easy. So when, when you, when you, when you, when you give discipline, it should be given in love. And that's an act that is very, very hard well, to do. It's superhuman. And that's why it's so twisted because they're telling you to do something that humans shouldn't be able to do. I mean, if someone hurts you and punishes you, um, and, and, and does it for no reason. I mean, we all know about discipline and discipline. Again, you have various things on that spectrum. Some of which yeah. some people would raise an eyelid to. I mean, I might, my father used to hit us when we were children because we were badly behaved boys and I don't re resent him for it. But there are some parents who never hit their children. And there's some people who hit their parents. Uh, there are some ch parents who hit their children too much. In this case, obviously it was very hard for you guys to figure out what was right and what was wrong because yeah. you were kids and. You didn't have your parents there all the time, and you were at the mercy of these psychopaths who told yeah. you they had a direct line to God. Now, Erica, for you, it wasn't so easy to just 
leave, in inverted commas. Explain how you got out. So I matriculated there. And the day after my my final matric exam, I got my first proposal of marriage. How it works there is... Because you're not a suppo- you're not allowed to talk to to men, so the, the man sees you, goes to the head of the mission, says he feels God is putting it on his heart that Erica is to be my wife. The head of the mission comes to me, says, "Go and pray about it." Um, I go and pray about it, but I already know I'm not going to get an answer from God because I don't have a relationship with God the way these people preach. But somewhere right. I find the courage to say, no, God is not giving me this peace. And so I said no three times in two years. Three different men believed that God wanted um, them to marry me. And they all three went on to marry other women. But um, Which must, it must mean at, at very least that God couldn't make his mind up or that these men were no. making it up. And can I just tell you that God is very racist because <laughs> in 50 years, there has not been one interracial marriage at Kwasi Sabantu. Like we all live together, we mingle, but oh. not one. And and Elo, the head of the mission, would preach and say, "Yeah, but what's it? Um, springboks don't lie with pimsbok, or horses don't wow. lie with cows." Okay, yeah. great. Okay. So anyway, so. But, but but back to me then. But yeah, but but <laughs> disgusting. But anyway, so these were white men who felt God putting it on there. And the third time, I said to I said to Elo. Um, I don't need to pray about this. My answer is no. And he blew his gasket because he's the only one allowed to get angry there because his is a righteous anger. All our anger is sinful anger. He got very angry with me. And then I just said, I don't believe that God would want me to marry a man like that because I despised his brother. Um, so yeah, so I, I was always a little bit rebellious. Anyway, Elo and I had a lot of interaction. But my counselor, which I was forced to have because they wanted to expel me for not having a counselor when I was 16, um, he, I mean, okay, so in our biology books, they would cut out or glue shut the part, the sections that dealt with reproduction, right? Yeah. So they, like, to say that, I mean, I write in my book about the first time I went to a gynecologist at the age of 19, and, and, and I did not know how my body worked. I did not know that there was a cavity that he could put his finger up. Sorry to get so graphic, but, 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 but no, like, no, no. This, is, this is, how, this is, how, this is so fucking weird. I mean, anyone listening to this, it, it, I, I'm sorry. There's just no other way for me to say it. Like what, what you ladies have been through has, is, is it, the fact that you can talk about it like you are is no small feat. And I'm not saying that to patronize you. This is, no, this is probably. For, for many people listening to this, um, this is absolutely horrific and it's beyond the pale and they can't believe that we live in a world in 2022 where stories like this are coming to the surface. But you lived it and the two of you are not sitting here, oh, woe is me, crying about your miserable experiences, although I'm sure you do cry. Okay. Um, what, you're, what you're doing here is you're helping us understand the, the kinds of things that are going on in, in places that might be right next door to us. I mean, it's it's yeah. horrifying. Oh, just just to add to what Erica was saying about not knowing the anatomy of of a person. So we as black kids, yes. we're going through we're going through the virginity testing. So at least I'm familiar with where my private part is, um, and and they would then look through and see if I have not tempered with. And I, I, in hindsight, I have said this to Erica. I've said, well, maybe in hindsight it was a blessing in disguise because they would then not mess with us in terms of sleeping with us. There was very, there were incidences of girl children being raped by, by adults. Are you saying, so this would happen to girls who were virgins or girls who weren't? We were all virgins. We went there as virgins. I mean, maybe there was just one or two people. No, no, that no but did they, is that how they differentiated which girls to 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 sleep with? Everyone went through it, even yeah, if even I if they found you tempered with the, this holiday. When we go to the December holiday in January, they would test you, and then suddenly they're not saying anything. Okay, I I don't know how it worked, but where, where I'm going with this is that. We didn't know our anatomy and you were not supposed, okay, the way that the head is so messed up is that, you know, I have a, a thing between my legs, but I'm not supposed to 
quite familiarize myself with it. But at the same time, and they are going to come look for whatever it is they're looking for. I don't know what they're looking for. And I, I don't like the experience I'm having with them. So you, you, you walk around this private part became a place of shame, a thing of shame within your body. And so at some point in your life, you're going to have to like this thing because it's going to be, um, Either you're going to be someone's wife or you're going to, if you leave that place, you are now suddenly going to be experiencing sex. But sex is always going to be a sore point because, but because, they, but they, but they want it to be shameful because then they can control you and they can control that aspect of you. It's a, it's a, it's a, and it goes very- even beyond your existence in the mission. It is your life experience because sex was introduced as something that is shameful something that is a sinful something that so getting into the swing of things getting becoming relational one becoming relational and speaking you, you spoke earlier about authority and and how you relate to people becomes an issue so you are dealing with authority issues you are dealing with sexual issues you are dealing with self esteem issues so you are you are just entirely messed up. And then you're dealing with, in, in my case, then you're dealing with, with being black, but you wanting to believe that you are a better black than other black people. And then at the same time, you realize that, no, I'm not better. I just speak English better than some uh, black people. Um, but my issues are still the same as, the, as those of black people. Yes, yet I relate to white people, but it doesn't mean I'm white. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, so just to go back, because we went on a bit of a tangent here, but but yes, this yes. counselor of yours, that's yeah, you, and yeah, you and you were telling us how you got out eventually. And so, um, I was 21 years old, and um, the one day he pinned me against the wall, and he was kissing and fondling me, and I just realized with absolute clarity that I cannot live like this. And I, my father had a sister, Iris, who lived in Peter Maritzburg, which is about 120 kilometers away. And I phoned her and I said, Tani Iris, can I come visit? And she said, yes, my child. But now, even though I'm 21 and technically an adult, because I'm an unmarried girl, I um, am under the authority of my parents, um, in this case, my mother. And then the day I got married, I would become the property of my husband. So I did yeah. not have, uh, I, I was never taught to drive. I, we didn't have a car. Um, I had to get my mother's permission every time I wanted to go somewhere. So I had to convince her that I was just going to my aunt for a weekend. Um, and she was already not kind of keen on this, but I just been to Europe and I brought back a gift for her and I needed to give it to her. So I packed a very tiny little bag with just enough clothes for two days. And when I got to my aunt, I just said, I can't, I can't go back there. I can't live there. And she gave me a home and I found a job as a receptionist at the age of 21. And, and that's how I started my life outside. But it took me, like I said earlier, three years to realize that they are not the way and they don't have a, a direct line to God and that they actually abuse people and especially children in their care. Now, now, how is it after all of this that you guys have revealed, how is it that they're still allowed to operate? Um, surely there's enough information here for authorities to go and investigate this stuff. How do they keep getting away with what is Quite clearly, I mean, it's not like the two of you colluded to make up these stories, although maybe someone from their side thinks you did. Um, there's this whole community of people who are, they, they're not really having a great life. They may be convinced that they're having a great life, but the world is, is outside of this place and they don't know anything about that world. How, how is this allowed to happen in, in this day and age? Can I take this one, Belenvila? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then you can, you can chime in. I know so, it's close to your heart. So I wrote about this place in a 2000 article in the, in February 2000 and it was published in um, the women's magazine that was called Femina. And I wrote about right. witnessing these beatings and everything and then, and it, and it made a, quite an impression and the Sunday papers got involved and there was a bit of a storm for a few weeks. 
Kwasi Sabantu mm-hmm. got their people to write to the, to write to people to say there'd never been any beatings, you know, like this didn't happen. They are on record saying there had never been any public beatings there. Then, because I'd had the courage to speak out, I think I was the first person to speak out publicly against this place. Other people who had left said, Erica isn't lying. There were public beatings. Then Kwasi Sabantu came back and said, oh yes, but the it was done by the parents. The parents beat the children in public, not us, right? And then um, members of the evangelical community got together and they um, investigated this. They interviewed a lot of us and they put to get, put out a report to say that they are very concerned. And um, all this got a bit much for me and I, I fled. To, I went overseas for two years um, working in bars, <laughs> just like I couldn't, I couldn't deal with all the attention. But I genuinely thought back in 2000 that I had done enough. I had opened up the cesspit of, um, abuse and that people were people in authority were going to take this now and run with it and actually do something and that didn't happen so Kwasi Zabantu um, has they've always been very industrious I mean they they pay their workers practically nothing and many are volunteers so profit goes straight into their pockets um, and they've always exported avocados to the EU and the UK they make millions from that every year and then in the early 2000s, they discovered a water spring and they started bottling this water and they started selling it. And they had pivoted quite nicely from um, allegedly being in bed with the apartheid government. I mean, like Selimpilo and I both remember Minister Flock arriving um, <laughs> and, and you know, big, big, big deal. Um, there are reports about what, how in bed they actually were with the military intelligence. And they've pivoted nicely to now kind of being in bed with we, what I think, this is my, um, this is me saying it, um, in, in bed with somebody, let's just say it like that, even though they were so vehemently anti-ANC. They own and fully own Aquele Water, um, which That's is right. a, in, a, an enormous money spinner. Um, and so I mean, they the, the, factory, the factory where they bottle the stuff is right there on the on the farm, right? Yeah, promises. So there have been two court cases where workers took them to court. The first was in 1997, where workers, farm workers, were paid nine rand a day, and they asked for a raise. They were getting 54 rand a week, and um, they asked for a raise, and they were told, "No, you're not getting a raise." So six workers unionized. And they were fired because they unionized. Um, and the workers then, probably with the help of the union, took uh, Kwasi Zabantu to court. And uh, the judgment is online. You can read it for yourself. They And then in 2008, I think, um, they fired two women for falling pregnant when they weren't married because they, this meant they had relationships outside of marriage. So they fired them. Um, and one of the women took them to court. She won. They, they decided that, oh, 2006, the, the court said that they had to pay her a whole year's salary. Now, Kwasi Zabantu didn't want to do this. Well, Aquele, Ekamanzi Springs, didn't want to do this, and they appealed. So what amount didn't they want to appeal? Didn't they want to pay? Something like 7,000 rand a month. She was earning 600 rand um, a month. Seven thousand rand a year. She was earning about six hundred and twelve rand wow. a month. Wow! I mean, that's in, in these are like these are like nineteen nineteen twelve wages. It's ridiculous. Exactly. They lost the appeal, but she never got the money because two weeks before the court ruled, she died in a car accident. Oh so there've God. been two known court cases where people were actually assisted. Um, so, but but Westabantu are really good, and you know what? People are so reluctant to take on a church. They are so reluctant. So I think, look, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I've basically been, been baiting these people on Twitter because they read every word I write and they, they stalk and they find people who engage with me and they phone them and they say, don't believe everything Erica says. Come and see for yourself. So I know that they're following me and well, I hope because- they leave me alone. And I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, like moving into a haunted house if you're an atheist is not, not a problem because you don't believe in ghosts. I don't, I don't think they, they'll they, engage they, with you. They better, know, they better know they have no uh, purchase here. But, but you know, Eric, so what you're talking about is, I mean, it's so bizarre, right? Like a church is, first of all, a tax free business yes. uh, in, in, in South Africa. They run this this water business, which they probably yes. put through the church. So they don't pay any yeah. tax there either. They may be cozy with politicians as well. Um, and, and they seem to just get 
everybody just gives them a free pass. Yes. So that's what I want to say, Gareth, is they're a public benefit organization. Now, in South Africa, there are very strict rules how a public benefit organization should govern itself. It has come to light that they gave a certain guy, they say they were duped into giving him this money, over 140 million rand in cash over a period of three years. It was supposed to be a loan. They wrote off the loan, right? Right? <laughs> But here's the other thing. You're not allowed to make loans like that as a public benefits organization. The other loan they made for 23,000 Rand to the Reader Trust, which they then forgave the loan. So they basically gave the Reader Trust 23 million Rand, right? Who owns the Reader Trust? Elos Degen, the leader, and his six daughters. So they, are, they have been paying themselves, right? Now, now the Hawks have been just investigating tell us, tell us, Just hold on, because you brought him up. So, so who is this, this, is this, this leader? Ellis Dagan. Who is this? He's dying. He's dying Who's... now. He's is busy he dying. dying. Dying of what? Yeah. He, he has severe cognitive mental impairment. I think he has Alzheimer's. Um, he's been very ill for a while, but I believe that he's now like really on his deathbed. So he may just get away with it after all. God, yeah, may, God, may, God may save him, uh, yeah. saved by the bell. Now, you wanted yeah. to add something in there, Kaylin Pilo, when we were talking about how they, have, how they get away with this stuff. You wanted to say something? Recently, we, after, after the Exodus um, expose, we, we made a lot of noise and people started to listen again. And the premier of KZN, Sikhezi Galala, Mm. Went to Kwasizabantu. In fact, the CRL, when the CRL started, um, investigating as well, they were invited to go there. But Sihlezigalala, I'm not sure whether he went with them or, but he, he found himself there or we heard he was there. And when the, the utterances he made were shocking for me, it was, it was painful. I mean, I've, I felt the pain, but when he said what he said, I realized that no one will ever win. With, with this, with Kwasizabandu. He said, Kwasizabandu is an economic, is an economic hub and it must, um, it must be left to, to thrive because it provides for, for the households that are within its reach. And I would be the first one to disagree with that because my parents, outside of the fact that they were members of the church, they, they did not have any income. They did not, they were not learned. They did not have jobs. Um, and so they, they farmed the little land that they had. I mean, that place, Msinga, is, is a forgotten, was a forgotten place for a long time. And it had, to date, it still does not have water. Um, there's a lot of services that are still not available. But at the time, they were paying exorbitant school fees just because the church dictated on them that they're supposed to take their children out of school and send them to Kwasizabantu for education. Okay, they wanted their children to have a better education, well and good. Um, but it's not like the church helped the poor to take their children through school. Even when they started um, getting donations, overseas donations, on my name, on someone else's child's name, that money did not go towards my school fees. My parents were still, were still expected to pay the full school, school fees. Although I had parents overseas who were paying my school fees. So that money went to other things. So when, when church becomes, because it has all of these benefits and collecting money and not paying proper, you can't say they are a, a they, they need to pay, um, wages, living wages because they're not registered as such. So when a church takes on a business, they need to be separating the business entity from the public, uh, benefit organ or the public organization. It doesn't sound people. like they do. I mean, these guys are in bed with some of the major retailers in South Africa selling their water. Um, yeah. they've got their own, they've got their own supermarket on site. They, as you say, have their, their hands in the cookie jar with politicians. They had branches in Germany and Switzerland, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Well, the Swiss, the Swiss branch has now launched an investigation into abuses at the school and the findings are quite horrific. But I want to read you a tweet that Kavil Singh, who's a reporter at News 24, tweeted on the mm -hmm. 24th of February this, this, this year when, right. um, yeah. The, it was the State of the Province address at KZN, right? 
Zikalala has just announced a 300 million rand investment from the Aquele Group. This, as the CRL Rights Commission reconvened its hearing into Kwasi Zabantu mission this week. So happy. So everybody who says that by us campaigning against Kwasi Zabantu and warning people that they are, I say they are drinking dirty water, um, who say, oh, but what about the people who are going to lose their jobs? Don't fear. There's this There's huge investment coming. Yeah. Yeah. But, but okay. So this guy, this is the, this is the, uh, the Dagen mm. guy that you, Stegen yeah. guy that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. How do you do? Erlo, E-R-L-O, Stegen. All right, so this yeah. is the guy. Now, even when you see his photo now, you go, there. But this this guy, so he's going to die probably because he's not good. But who mm-hmm. takes over? Because it's a business, right? The business uh-huh. carries on. The church carries on. Pilo. Who takes it. over? I don't know. I, 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 I'm... Of course, of course. Lydia, Dube. Well, we say she's going to take over, but do you think she's going to take over without a fight? Yeah, I think that she successfully alienated everybody who doesn't, um, uh, you know, kowtow to her. She's in charge already. She's been in charge for many years because um, Elo hasn't been able – he's still a director of Aquela. He can still sign away millions, but um, he's not He's not been compass mentors for a long time. Um, I want to. I want to show. I want to show these these pictures of you guys. Here's you when you were a little girl and you just started. Aww, she's so innocent, innocent, sweet little girl. And and you know, it's just it's remarkable that you've come out of this, both of you, such such well-adjusted, sane human beings. Because my God, I mean, what you've been through is just unbelievable. Here's both of you. A uh, yeah. lovely picture of you. Where where are you guys here? You're obviously free. Uh, you're near the sea. Yeah. <laughs> so this where was this is this is Bloberg Beach in January this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's lovely. Well, listen. Um, all I can say is I, I could talk to the two of you all day because I think there are enough stories here, and I'm sure that you've told some of them, and you've still got lots that you still have to tell. Please keep fighting this fight. <clears throat> it's so important. You you know you're doing it on behalf of 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 kids who are who are just entering places like this and it's horrible to think about it and we don't like to it makes us all uncomfortable but all over the world there are shady organizations like this cults sects uh that are that are doing the most atrocious things and i'm just i'm blown away by the 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 heroism and and the courage that you two have shown in in telling the story and it's also just great that you've ended up being such good friends as well on the outside i wish you the best um i'm I'm going to remind everybody please listen to the podcast news 24 won awards for them in fact um erica it's true that you are up for another award uh this is this is quite a big deal just uh, tell everybody what this one is. This is quite a big deal. This is brand new, breaking news, right? Yes. <laughs> so I've just been awarded the inaugural um, Diane Cassoni Award, which is um, it's an award that um, recognizes writing that helps educate people about cultic phenomenon. And it's in Canada. The organization is in Canada. Um, and this weekend was the annual conference um, for the Association of Cultic Studies and, and they announced, um, me there. And it just means so much, you know, Gareth, that this community has, has given me this award because when I left, when, when Galimpilo left, Kwasisabantu, um, they, it was pre-internet days. We had no support. You know, she turned to the church for support. I didn't. Um, I turned to books. But these days, there's a whole community of people who are dedicated to to um, to helping people heal, but also educating people so they don't get into it in the first place. Because nobody joins a cult; people join a good thing. They think this is Mm. a good thing, you know. And so it means a lot to 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 have this award. Yeah, I'm I'm tickled pink. (laughs) Congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, congrats. (laughs) And listen, we will we will talk again. But uh, keep fighting the good fight. This is really really important. Congratulations on everything that you've achieved so far, and um and and power to you both. I mean, it's just such a it's it's such a happy story in the end for you two. I hope I hope that there are many more people who will be saved from this insanity by your story. Um, thank you for your time and, and thank you for your good work. Thank you. Thank you for your thank time. You so thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Elin Pilo, Erica, have a lovely evening. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Likewise. Yes. Bye-bye. Cliffcentral.com.